Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following program is brought to you in living color. Hi, I'm Tony Figueroa, and welcome to another edition of This Week in TV History. Now, as always, you can read my blog, childthetelevision.blogspot.com, or you can hear me on TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television, where my good friend Ed Robertson, along with my wife Donna Allen Figueroa and I, we get to interview people who have been responsible for bringing us our favorite TV shows, or talk to the people who have written about uh, our favorite TV shows, and also revisit a lot of TV history there, too. So, uh, this week, wow, September 8th, 1966, a very important day in television history, a very important day in science fiction history. It was on September 8th, 1966, when we first heard Space, the Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. And then you hear a mezzo-soprano. Yeah, I'm not doing Shatner. Please. Yeah, you, you have Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry's Wagon Train to the Stars. That's how he pitched the idea to Desilu sometime around 1964. Yeah, it's hard to believe Desilu is the company responsible for bringing us Star Trek. Yeah, it was their TV production company that brought this show to life. And... Yeah, Gene Roddenberry said, I have a wagon train to the stars. A wonderful opportunity to examine the human condition and the problems that human beings were facing in the mid-1960s and being able to tell these stories but set them on other planets somewhere into the future. It's also hard to believe that a lot of these stories really couldn't be told on television at that particular time. But if you painted somebody green and had this red planet somewhere off in the galaxy, you were able to get away with that simple storytelling process. And it worked. We're still watching that show, and we are watching its spin-offs and movies and reading the comic books and the novels. Yeah, it is amazing. It's First of all, it's impossible to contain the conversation, and this was uh, my goal when I sat down here was just to contain the conversation to the first three seasons of the original series. Just kind of focus on that because the franchise is like this and I only have so much time and so much bandwidth to cover it all. Uh, so what do we got here? We got the USS Enterprise, a ship that is part of the United Federation of Planets exploring these strange new worlds in the 23rd century. Now, there was an original pilot that did not sell. It was called The Cage, and it featured Jeffrey Hunter as Captain Christopher Pike. Uh, it did not sell, but the powers that be were definitely interested in what Gene Roddenberry was trying to accomplish. So a second 
uh, pilot called Where No Man Has Gone Before, uh, that did sell, and that's where we first meet Captain James Tiberius Kirk. But let me go back to the cage for a second. How often do you know of an unsold pilot, let's call it, that was also repurposed in a later episode and then added to basically the origin story of this show and then, as we speak in the year 2021, is going to be the premise of a whole new spin-off, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Yeah, I don't know. If, if you can think of one, nothing comes to mind in my TV history brain. If you could think of something, put something in the comments below, please. Uh, I know Gilligan's Island had a pilot uh, that was uh, not part of the syndication package, had different actors in some of the roles. Uh, footage of that pilot was repurposed in a later episode used for flashbacks. Knott's uh, Landing, actually, the idea came before Dallas, and then Knott's Landing became a spinoff of Dallas. Uh, but otherwise, I can't think of anything, uh, Unsold Pilot, having this incredible life of its own uh, like that. So uh, that's something else for us to look forward to. But just uh, imagine um, some of these stats. Nine spinoffs to date, as we are speaking. Nine spinoffs. So that's ten shows altogether. Uh, a couple of different animated series, award-winning animated series, I might add. Novels, comic books, a theme park attraction in uh, Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Hilton. That existed for several years. A language. Yes, other franchises have created languages for their characters. Somebody actually constructed a language, but there is a constructed language for uh, Star Trek Klingon. Somebody actually constructed Klingon. Uh, there are courses in conversational Klingon available. I'm sure uh, if you're watching me on YouTube, I'm sure if you look up conversational Klingon, we'll have a link if I could find it. I'll add that link below. Uh, cosplay, conventions. I mean, so much stuff. This has to be the most successful franchise. Uh, I would have to say uh, more successful than Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Harry Potter. Uh, and not only that, I think this was the blueprint that all those other franchises have to follow. Uh, you can debate me if we want to talk economics, how much you know each drag came in. But I think, uh, yeah, the whole this type of franchise, the scientific franchise, I mean, science fiction franchise, uh, this was also uh, one of Gene Roddenberry's uh, Brave New Worlds to explore merchandising and conventions and spin-off possibilities. I mean, a show that was only on TV for three years and was able to successfully branch out into this incredible source of entertainment. Yes, as I'm talking, I'm imagining William Shatner in that Saturday Night Live sketch right now. But uh, you have a show that got canceled by the network, which was NBC, went into syndication, was more popular in syndication amongst young viewers than it was in its original run. And then, of course, the trekker culture begins, the conventions begin, merchandising, toy sales. Can you imagine the show is canceled and then they start merchandising the show? 
So the show's canceled. They start merchandising. I can remember walkie-talkies that looked like the communicator. I can remember the action figures and the Enterprise. You could actually have the bridge of the Enterprise with a little transporter off to the side. You spin it, and you can make Mr. Spock disappear. Uh, so you had all of this stuff that came out after the show was canceled. Uh, interest um, in, a, in, a, in a reunion, not a reunion, but a new series that eventually led to a whole movie franchise and, and, and cartoon. I mean, yeah, again, it is so hard to contain the conversation just to those three years. Uh, I, I can't continue talking without giving proper credit uh, to what I heard called once as the ethos, the lothos, and the pathos of the show, the ethics, the logic, and the passion. Uh, so, yes, you have uh, William Shatner as James Tiberian Kirk, Master of the Vessel, yes, Captain of the Enterprise. He was ethos, the ethics, uh, the logic, the lothos, well, yeah, nah, Mr. Spock, uh, the first officer and science officer of the Enterprise, and pathos, the passion, Dr. McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor! Yeah, so you have ethos, lothos, pathos, you have a wonderful uh, supporting cast. Uh, George Takai is Mr. Sulu, uh, Walter Koenig as... Pavel Chekhov, uh, Lieutenant Ahura, played by Nichelle Nichols, uh, James Dewan as Mr. Scott, uh, the engineer and the heart and soul of that famous ship. You have all of these people, and it's a diverse group of people that are on the bridge of that ship. We did not see that type of diversity on television hardly at all. I mean, to see all these different people, all in these professional capacities, uh, just to see all of that. And part of the legacy, besides the uh, T-shirts and toys and conventions and, and cartoons and part of the legacy of Star Trek is that it sparked the imagination. People of different walks of life could watch a show and see that in the future they could do something bigger than what uh, they saw in the world around them. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, especially uh, as Lieutenant Ahura, inspired a lot of people to join NASA, a lot of people of color to join NASA. Uh, other characters inspired people to go into science and engineering, uh, but to see the diversity of those people and people at home going, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. I don't think any other franchise has been successful in doing that to that extent. Yes, I'm a huge Back to the Future fan, and there are people who have wanted to work on technology to make hoverboards possible, and they're succeeding. <laughs> That's the amazing part. They want to make flying cars possible, and one guy even inspired by the Mr. Fusion in the back of the DeLorean, you know, you, know, you put the garbage in there and have that as a power source, he was inspired by that movie to make this happen. As impressive as it is, um, Star Trek inspired so much more technology. People had the ideas, and Star Trek helped give them the format or the vessel to make that possible. I mean, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm recorded on a smartphone not a video camera, a smartphone, a communications device whose predecessor was a flip phone 
who was inspired by Star Trek. I have basically on a tripod right over here a mini computer, computer systems uh, that we have, our PCs. I mean, the formation, the, 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 the structure, the, the design was definitely taken from Star Trek. I'm going to take this footage, upload it into a laptop, and do the editing there. All the people who made this technology available for me in 21st century America, yeah, they, they all got it from elements of Star Trek. Uh, there is a story about Stephen Hawking once visiting the set of the show and looking at all the props that are supposed to be futuristic devices. And he looked at stuff and went, I'm working on that. I mean, it is pretty impressive that uh, this show, with its legacy as, as pure fandom we can enjoy, other people watched the show and were inspired. Uh, so uh, the show was there to inspire everything from world peace to smartphones. It is pretty amazing. Uh, Gene Ronberry had this vision that in the future, we as human beings will have eliminated poverty. We would have eliminated disease. We would have eliminated war. And now we would be in a position where we could go into the stars and help other civilizations and hopefully uh, have a larger federation of people dedicated to the greater good. But really to take a show where we could explore the problems that we were having in the mid-1960s and just having these issues involving green people on a red planet talking about it, we couldn't talk. Not only could you not see the diversity of the crew of the Enterprise, the topics that they were covering, if it was just average Joes at a bar talking about these things, that show would never be on TV. But a green guy on a red planet uh, having issues uh, over race or over uh, war or anything like that, you can have it on Star Trek. Uh, the episode that's coming to my mind right now, let that be your last battle, battle. Let that be your last battlefield where you have two characters. One is white on one side and black on the other. The other is the reverse. And they hate each other and they're trying to pursue and kill each other because of their differences. Differences that the crew of the Enterprise are not able to see. And then, of course, uh, Journey to Babel, uh, where we meet Spock's parents, or uh, you know, a city on the edge of nowhere, where we're, uh, yeah, uh, where we're traveling back in time and seeing what uh, could happen. One uh, event could having uh, the effect of a world history. Uh, I love the time travel episodes. I'm I'm a big fan of time travel, as you probably know, uh, but also to see the mirror mirror episodes and. There are so many episodes we could talk about uh, that, uh, yeah, I'm still watching the original series, either on Heroes and Icons or on MeTV, and you look at it now and you're going, wow, these episodes are so relevant today. In fact, in many cases, they're more relevant today than they were 55 years ago, if you think about it that way, and the stories continue. Yeah, like I said, it's hard to contain the conversation to just those three seasons because this legacy is so amazing. So, if you have uh, comments, if you like what I'm doing, if you don't like, um, there are all these little buttons down here you can press. You can leave comments, you can like. Please uh, like me. 
if you could think of other examples of an unsold pilot being repurposed the way that the cage was, if I have any of my Star Trek trivia wrong, please feel free to correct me at the bottom in the comments. I will not be offended as long as you're polite about it. Uh, but please uh, correct me and hopefully I can uh, establish that correction a, a little bit later on. Uh, William Shatner, by the way, celebrated his 90th birthday earlier this year. Well, I already did a show on that. This is a great spot to pause, but we got more TV history right after this message. That's all we could really talk about right now, but I would love to hear your comments and I would love to engage in further conversation on this particular topic, especially. So I'm Tony Figueroa, the child of television. Read my blog, listen to me on TV Confidential, live long and prosper, and stay tuned.